Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. Style is knowing who you are, what you want to say, and not giving a damn. And that's by Orson Welles. And um, I thought about saying darn, but I had to do the original quote. So hi, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in. Um, you are in for such a treat today. You're going to be glad that you said, I think I'll listen to the profitable photographer. Um, but before I introduce my amazing guests, I would love to have you think for a minute about three people you know that could really benefit from the great conversations and wisdom of my guests. And then either send them an email with a link to a favorite show, message them, or just post on your Facebook and tag a few people. Because right now people are hungry to grow and they have a little more time on their hands. I know for me, I'm not in my car as much, so I have to remember, oh yeah, listen to podcasts. Anyway, so as I often say, sharing is caring. And I would love for you to share that. All right. So here is a little bit about master and photographic craftsmen, Tim and Bev Walden. In the early 1995s, he and Bev created one of the most iconic and copied styles of black and white photography that they named relationship portraiture. And you're going to hear more about this from Tim and Bev, but he and his wife took over Walden photography from Tim's father in the early 80s. I met them when they started teaching their relationship portraiture, and I fell in love with the education, but also just them. So I'm, I just can't tell you how thrilled I am to have you guys on this show. So Tim and Bev, welcome, and thank you. Thank you for saying yes to being on the show. Well, first, thank, thanks for asking us. It means a lot. We love this industry. We love the people in it. We love you and what you're doing, and I appreciate what you're doing uh, through this process for so many photographers. Um, we just never want to stop growing, and so uh, it's meaningful. Thank you for including us. Yes, thank you, Lucy. Oh, you're welcome. You were on my short list from the beginning. One thing that I would wish for everyone listening is that you have a long and rich career and that you get to have a treasure of people that you have developed as friends, as mentors, as colleagues, as I have done and Tim and Bev have done. It's one of the things I never realized when I started this industry, I don't know about you guys, but that, that there'd be all of this, um, now the word is tribe, that by getting involved, that I would have these treasures. Do you know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. And photographers are different, Lucy. They're, I've lectured for a few other groups beside, outside of the industry of photography. And although I've never done so without uh, meeting some wonderful people, photographers, there's something really special about them. And I think, you know, it's their passion. And it, it just is such a magnet. To, that we have with each other. It causes deep friendships, loyalty. Uh, it's just off the charts different. And that's just a huge blessing in this profession that for me, um, it's different than what I see in other, other professions. And I'm thankful for it. Right. I, I dated a bookseller for a while. He had this, it was awesome as the person that loves to read because 
I would just say, hey, do you have this book on the shelf? And he'd bring it over. <laughs> but <That's he's>, nice. <laughs> so, of course, he used to go to bookseller conventions. And when he went to, it was probably the Professional Photographers of California convention with me. He, he said, oh, my gosh, you guys are so different than booksellers. You talk, you hug, you share. <laughs> you obviously are making new friends. You're seeing old friends. <laughs> And also, hey, I love that blouse. Those are cute earrings. <laughs> yeah. So it opened my eyes to, you know, how special it is to be in this industry. It is a big family. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love seeing people that we only get to see that once a year. Right. You know, at imaging, they come from everywhere. And I, I really feel like if we go to any state and on now several countries that we would have a place to stay because... Their family, you know, we can stay with our family. Yeah, exactly. And it's great to have the network and to have feel like you have that safety net underneath you if you need advice or right, you know, having a problem in an area, you can call on all of these people who are all experts in their areas. Right. And it's amazing. It's really a blessing. And you never know even the financial benefit recently. A photographer was coming to San Diego to the Hotel Dell with her family. She lives in Texas and she asked several Texas photographers, Texas school photographers, and several of them said, call up Lucy Dumas. And, you know, how would that happen if you're not involved? So yeah. I guess the moral of this story is let's not just sit in our houses, in our small worlds. You know, there's huge benefit to actually becoming involved in the community of photographers. There really is, yeah. So I wanted you to share a little bit about how you got into this profession. I know that the story is very unique, and so I wanted to have you share about that. All right. Well, I I come from um, a family of photographers. I have two two uncles and then my father, and my father uh, was paralyzed when I was about five years old. We were throwing darts together. He slipped the disc and it slipped inward instead of outward and they didn't catch it in time. And he spent the last 40 plus years of his life paralyzed from his armpits down. Wow. And I tell everybody, you know, all those years of hanging out with him in the dark room, watching him print, he was a master black and white printer. He was a perfectionist with his art. He was a skilled technician, but none of that really attracted me, Lucy, to photography. You know, I was just a kid, about 12 years old when I really got in that dark room with him. And, and he did over a thousand weddings from that wheelchair, over a thousand, earned his master's degree with PPA and traveled to teaching. And this is a man that was pronounced dead twice the first year of this of this accident, 17 surgeries in his early life. Just, you know, just amazing. And I remember being in the dark room and I tell everybody it wasn't his skill that attracted me because, you know, I was 12 years old. I, I didn't really know what good photography was. Now I look back on it and I just am in awe of how amazingly talented he was. But at the time, you know, he was dead. I was 12. <laughs> but, but what drove me to photography was his passion. I've never seen anybody love something so much. It wasn't a profession, although it was his profession, but it, it was his passion. And I remember thinking to myself about, you know, those early years, teenage years and 16 years old when I got into the business, it's like, if you can love something this much, 
there must be something to it. How can he love the, taking pictures this much? Well, mm -hmm. you know, it was it was watching him. I got I got bit by that same bug, and you know, his passion it, it rubbed off on me. And as I go through today, and I think about some of the challenges we have as artists, economically, or whatever it might be. You know, my father used to tell me, he'd say, son, you can come to me with anything you want except an excuse. Hmm. He said, I, I don't need any of those. Don't don't bother me with that. And, you know, he's always said it in a loving way. But now I look at the, some of the challenges that we have and I start thinking they're nothing compared to, to the things he pushed through. So he was not only a great artist that inspired me, but uh, he also inspires me from the, the just being tenacious Mm -hmm. And stay in the course, and not you know not not whining and complaining, but appreciating what we have and and the field that we're in. And I still love it today, like I did day one. Wow! So this had me think about my father, and how I over the years I realized I'm my father's daughter. He was a, a pastor, a Christian minister. Mm -hmm. So number one, I grew up with someone who was not working for money; they were working for a calling. As it's a, you know your dad as well obviously it was a calling and one day I was leaving a church because I did weddings for 12 years and realized oh my gosh I'm working in churches on the weekend like my dad <laughs> <laughs> and and then recently because I do a lot of coaching now it hit me because my dad was a wonderful uh, counselor for people you know ministry involves a lot of things right. and he spent many hours sitting listening talking supporting people and i was like wow so part b of my dad's career i've kind of stepped into that as well so yeah so one of the things that makes me think of about your family and my family is as photographers when we are choosing careers with what we love right now especially i'm talking to people who maybe have young children they're watching us and they're learning what it means to have a good life. So the joy of creating a business from scratch, doing what we love, you know, that that has impact on generations. So yeah, I love that story. Not the wheelchair part, but how he took that and um, made a rich life and influenced you guys and, and I'm sure many others in your family. Yeah. That great mentor and he was so he was loving but he sure cracked the whip too <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah he he was like no no you know we'd i'd bring in my competition prints every year and and he would look at them and then he would look at me and say you could do better <laughs> and every year i'm like i can't i really this is it this is all i have and uh and uh, he really particularly loved that one image one time i'm I brought to him, he was at that time printing the black and white for us and it was a black and white image. And he, when he got, gave it back, it had a little homemade rosette, like award thing on it. And he wrote, look, right on it. Uh, yeah. Judges. Yeah, he wrote best, yeah, best of show. Best of show. Yes. Like that. And I said, finally, he said, well, I saved you in the printing. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, thanks. And then, uh, and that was the very image that won the very first Kodak Gallery Award, Elite yeah, Award. And I right. won a Hasselblad out of it. Yeah. That free Hasselblad cost us how much? Yeah. About $10,000. <laughs> it was worth it. <laughs> no, yeah, it was worth it. And uh, that's when we switched over to the Hasselblad system. Yeah, we so, come from good stock, so don't he we? Was, <laughs> he was right. He had a good eye for that. <laughs> 
And uh, I just, I have way too many great thoughts all at once. (laughs) (laughs) So what people who are new in this maybe don't realize is that back in our day, we had to make prints and send them in a case to the state and regional and national competitions with PPA, and you could send for a year. And so each one was 100 bucks, 200 bucks, unless your dad was printing. Um, but even then, <laughs> you know, there's, there's costs involved. So now we have the, the beauty of being able to send in digital, but I still love to see those prints at convention when people send those in. Yeah, I still send prints. That's, I'm a print artist. That's my passion, Bab. So we're still one of the few, you know, making those prints and boxing them up and shipping them in. So this is a nice segue from your story about the black and white printing to how you created your relationship style and the whole concept of creating and nurturing a style. So I'd love to, I'd love to dig deep into that. Well, you know, my father taught me a lot about technical excellence and really he was on disability from the U.S. government. So he drew a check and when he built Walden's, he built it to not actually make money, which sounds really strange, but had we made money, he would have lost his disability. So really our business was originally built out of passion and as therapy for him for something to do. And then when I took, took over Lucy, uh, Bab and I took over, uh, that wasn't the case. <laughs> and I started realizing we were doing a little bit of everything for everybody. And the only thing my dad wasn't good at was business because he, he didn't need to be, he didn't have a reason to be. So when we took over, um, I really was starry eyed. My, you know, my goal was to touch people's hearts to change their life. I wanted to create photography that had longevity. I wanted to create art that was meaningful, that brought tears to people's eyes, that told the stories of their life. And now we're sitting here, you know, as a very young uh, person, uh, newly married, and with a business that was on the way to bankruptcy. I mean, we were quickly heading to bankruptcy. And uh, we just were doing a lot of things for everybody and making no money. And I remember sitting in a room one day thinking to myself, if I'm going to go out of business, I want to go out of business doing photography the way I always wanted. I want to do something I love. And so I started doing fine art, black and white uh, portraits, and I started doing them with a very high emotion to them. And Bev and I developed this style we called relationship portraits. And it wasn't about selling uh, the biggest print you could. It was about selling the art, selling the museum quality, selling the story, story, learning and selling the story. And we put a price tag on it worthy of that art, not thinking anybody would ever buy it, but, (laughs) but, but we're like, okay, this is what I want to do. And, and I could go on for days, but over about a three-year period, we started seeing a change happen in our business. And about oh, six months into this, our, our accountant called us. I tell everybody he used a word I'd never heard before. And the word was profit. He said, you're making profit. I'm like, I said, Whoa. I almost hung up on him. I thought it was an obscene phone call. <laughs> and, and, and what I started realizing was that we had developed a style that was meaningful was something that celebrated the stories and the love and the 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 people that we photographed and it slowly allowed us to eliminate the things we didn't want to do and to stay the course with the things we did do we didn't compromise it at all we kept the price tag hefty we had all the wrong people so they started going and the right people started coming and one of the things when i share with photographers i like to say is 
be less concerned that, that people like what you do and more concerned that they know what you do. Because when you're always trying to make everybody like what you do, you get no definition. Mm. But when you define yourself very specifically and you stay that course and that message and that redundancy and consistency gets out in the marketplace, those that love it, they come. And as they come, they're coming not because it's cheap and easy to get to. They're coming because they recognize your art. That's what they want. Now, all of a sudden, you're getting people who are willing to invest in it. And over about a three-year period, uh, it totally turned our business around. This is why I always like to say it was a God idea. Give God the glory because honestly, uh, I'm not that smart. And so, and, and so as I look back and saw what happened, I thought, man, that was a God-inspired idea because I was able to do, Bev and I were able to do what we loved, what we were passionate about and get paid for it. And even today, it's our iconic offering. So we know uh, it has served us well and it has allowed us to stay in this business and to continue to touch people at a high emotional level. And that's so meaningful. I remember seeing those and the first time I um, met, met you both. Um, I had been doing something similar, but not with the same, um, if people go to your website, I'm sure they can see your black and whites where there are kind of surprising arrangements of people that aren't, look, let's all look at the camera, look the same expression, but little snips of little moments. And right. I had <laughs> had a big aha in my own little world because when I started, when I shifted from weddings to portraits, it was all high key. I'm sure you remember that high key was actually considered more um, high end and that the painted backgrounds were sort of the JC Penney, what's the word, kind of the worldview, in my opinion, that I thought I had to do white on white on white to be an artiste. And then one day I realized I do not like this. Sam, I am. (laughs) It was like green eggs and ham. I don't like trying to keep everything white and those footprints because we couldn't digitally, you know, clean up the whites. I didn't like that it was hard to get shape in the faces and the whole thing. And I gave myself permission to think about what I loved. And it was those simple black and whites with, uh, it could be a dark background, medium or light and more tender and not, not proppy. And I'd been doing that for a few years and just like you, people were loving it and buying more of that because I was developing um, something that came from me. And then seeing where you took it to the next level was so inspiring, both in you know capturing those little right. sweet little tender moments and then how you, the printing and the archival quality of that and the presentation you know, it was really, um, obviously, I remember like it was yesterday. I can see the room and just like, oh my gosh, it was like worth the whole cost of going to that convention. So how do you think people get from imitative, like right now there's some quote unquote editing styles. If you know, do you know what I mean and why I have air quotes around it? So there's, there's presets, there's trends in like right now, dark and moody is a thing and there's presets and people try to find what editing style they enjoy. And a lot of them tend to look imitative, which is really natural when we're starting. But how do you think someone evolves from trying different things out? Like I used to do 
double exposures at weddings because that was the style. And then one day I was like, no, I like outdoor photography. I'm not doing those ever again. (laughs) How do you think people evolve or discover their own vein of gold? Well, I think everything starts with vision. I think you first establish a vision, you know, and I think too many people capture images and then they decide later what they're going to do with it. I I, I like to say vision is a capture and then fulfilled post-capture. If you really want to be a great artist, you start with vision, you put the pieces together, and then your post-capture becomes a fulfillment of that vision. In other words, you take it, and digital is wonderful in this way because now you can take it to a level we never could before. But if you start without vision, you're not going to be, uh, you're, you're going to be starting mid-process. I don't think you're ever going to be at your potential. So we always like to say, what do I see this piece being at the end? You know, even here at Walden's, if we're going to do a black and white, we don't shoot a session and then later decide, well, this can be black and white. This should be color. We start with the end in mind. We don't mix color and black and white. We don't mix paintings and color together. We, we start and we say, what is the piece that we're looking to accomplish? So we're creating in that capture the best possible image we can. And then fulfilling it post-capture becomes uh, a way to take it to heights that I've never even dreamed of. And I think, too, when you're in imitation, when you're trying to imitate somebody else totally, we all should be inspired and influenced by other people. Very important. I am a bits and pieces of a lot of artists, so is Beverly. But Beverly made a statement one time when somebody asked about, you know, kind of finding their style, which has a lot to do with what you're talking about. And and she said, and she asked him a question. She said, well, what makes your heart beat faster? Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's the reason you're going to be really successful is that something in your vision is birthed out of that passion. And now you're going to begin to excel at it. Whereas if you're just, you know, hitting presets or, hey, I want to do something like this person. And so I must, you know, I, I got to follow step one, two, and three. You're never going to be at your potential. And I question if you're really going to stay the course and be fulfilled at it because you're not coming from the right place inside. Right. So Beverly, can you tell me more about that or how you would answer the question about how to find style, a personal vision and style? Well, personal style, I I think we listened and I went to programs before I knew the front from the back of a camera. (laughs) In fact, when Tim had to try to teach me how to load a camera, that was really an interesting (laughs) exercise because he's like, I don't really know how to teach you because I just do it. But even before I started shooting, I had in my head visions of things I wanted to capture. And and I looked at a lot of magazines. I kept a lot of scrapbooks. If I looked through a magazine and something caught my eye, uh, a way a hand was positioned or a a dress style or a color that I loved. I would rip it out and put it in the sticky page magazines. Now you can do a digital, you know, a digital collection and, and continually look at that. And, and I would be inspired every time I look at, Oh, I could do that. Or I look at that, or I would go see a photographer and especially one that I felt kind of was on a similar road as I was. And I, like Tim said, we're like bits and pieces. We're like a mosaic of everybody we've ever seen and every word we've ever heard, because I can look at an image that we create and go, oh, I see a little bit of so-and-so in that and another little, you know, splash of another 
person in that or something we've heard or learned or and it's a it's like a gathering it's like an influx and a gathering of all kinds of source information from photographs from things on your computer from speakers you hear from images you love mm -hmm. what do you love you know i i for me i'm i know i'm not a street photographer i know that i don't care as much for environmental things because i like the cocoon of our studio and creating in the studio with a little more control. I know I love tender, eyes closed, uh, emotional things, look, feelings, uh, curves, mm -hmm. sensitive, feminine things. And so with all of that information, it kind of all just started creating Im images in my head that I literally felt like my head was gonna explode if I didn't get them out through shooting something, getting it on piece of paper, yeah. a photographic paper, I would get all these images stacked up in my head to do. I love that. And um, mm -hmm. so it's it's a learning process. It's sometimes stumbling into something. Um, it's sometimes you run across like the adrenaline starts flowing. You know, that's what that's where your passion is. Like I remember we taught at Mars one year and we were out at the beach and I had somebody wrapped in gauze. It was those years, you know, where you had flowing gauze behind and and fog came rolling in. I'm like, oh, we can't shoot. Oh, it was so dense. And <sighs> and so we're like standing there. And then the fog kind of started rolling out. What was just enough. It was so beautiful. And I needed to capture that girl with the flowing gauze with the fog on the beach, all kind of soft, misty tones. And I've flung myself down on the ground and just like I didn't like I didn't know anybody else was there. It's that feeling. It's that, you know, you've reached mm -hmm. where you need to be. And almost as if you took a hit of something, <laughs> you know, it's like, it was so, an, so much an adrenaline rush. And so what, uh, that's, I, I don't know any other way to describe it. It's just a heart thing. It's a vision thing. It's a, but in the beginning, it's a gathering of all kinds of information and looks and what turns you on and what makes your heart beat faster and what, I also tried things that I wasn't like, I, I liked it, but then I would come back and try it. And I felt like I was walking in somebody else's shoes that were too small. It was uncomfortable. It was not me. It was like, <laughs> I, I just, I had no creativity. It was dry. I felt dry. And so I'm like, okay, I can't copy that. I don't, I don't like that. It's not yeah. me. So what I'm hearing is, first of all, expose yourself to not expose yourself, but expose yourself oh, yeah. to a good way. A, a lot of visuals and yeah. collect what you love. I go to museums and galleries mm -hmm. all the time, and I'm sure you do too. That yes. are not photography. I study art, yes, but also um, you know gathering, looking at other people's photography, but also just there's visual everywhere, and then noticing you know what blows your skirt up a little bit and makes your heart. Yeah. A heart pound or, you know, I know those exact moments. Um, in fact, one of the things I miss about film is that because it was a, in our mind, I'm sure you, you had this in your mind. It was like a dollar every time you click the shutter. So waiting for the moment when everything fell together and when when I pressed the shutter and I knew I had it, that was that drug. Oh yeah. Now I get it more at the computer because I might do like click, 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 click of something beautiful. 
it's a little different feeling. One of the things I do when I'm coaching people is we, we create what I call an identity map uh-huh. where, um, and that's what you were describing, what you did, but you made it a book, yeah. um, scrapbooks is I have them clip out things that they just like the look of right. and glue it all together. And it is amazing, Beverly, that every single time there is a completely unique, innate visual sensibility that has colors that are harmonious with each other, that have texture, have the way of even clipping them out and gluing them on that um, I help people identify their their natural visual, like probably from birth, I'm guessing of what they're drawn to. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it is an innate, innate vision that everybody has Yeah, and we call it style. And then you format it as you grow in business and mature, you format it into a, a, a product or a way of presentation that fairly broad base of clients will love because of it, you know, have to make money right. eventually. So I think we're fortunate in that what we create is fair. It's not so off the charts that it's hard to love, you know, and in the black and white relationship portraits were, it was like turning the, the spotlight back on the client. It was no longer about say cheese for me. It was like, what's your story? Mm. You know, who do you love? Snuggle up to the person. You, oh, close your eye. Oh, when you close your eyes, the emotion just, just kind of coming out of that image and, uh, you know, hugging and snuggling. Whoever heard of that? Never <laughs> heard of that, you know, and then going back to black and white in an era when color had just come in, we were like, are we crazy? Are we nuts? And then Tim building a dark room. And I'm like, are we really crazy now? And the risks that we took, I think we were maybe too young to understand mm. the risk. And I'm glad because we, you know, it, we came out the other side. We know so much more now. I mean, looking back, we were so such babies when we did all that we didn't know what we were doing and then we reverse engineer it all and we were like oh that was a good decision right well and clearly many people were inspired and i don't know if you'd call it imitated but there were suddenly in print competitions a lot of images that you thought hmm is that the Waldens? Oh no, it's somebody else. Yeah. Bet they went to a Waldens class right. <laughs> and they were beautiful. You know, you know, you've hit that vein of gold when other people mm-hmm. love it and incorporate that inspiration into their own work. And right. I've certainly yeah. seen that happen a, a lot. Yeah, it's yes, very much. Yeah, it's a funny feeling sometimes, or I'm gonna ask you that. Is it a funny mm-hmm. feeling sometimes when you see something that you know this thing that came from your soul that was that felt absolutely pure your own inspiration that you see someone else who is you can't really copy but do you know what i'm trying to say is it a funny feeling sure. when when you see those well uh, yeah of course it is yeah of course it is to some degree you know but 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 i think it's a more inspirational feeling um and that outweighs it because you feel like if you've made a difference in in the lives of someone else's art and and you've helped them connect to something they are passionate about uh that outweighs you know kind of the funny feeling funny feeling is like well wait a minute you know so but but the reality is when you hear the stories of how they've changed people's lives with through their art 
how they've celebrated stories and relationships in their communities right. and how it's helped them so much. Gosh, I mean, how can you feel like you own it? You just have to feel like it's, you feel like, I feel like I've borrowed it to share. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's really so rewarding. So yeah, there's a, there's a tinge of that funny feeling, but more than anything, there's a reward. Right. Feeling. Well, people add their own twist to it. Too. Yeah. It's yeah. never exactly, you know, I mean, Kim to me is still the top. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I got her, I got her trained. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, but everybody has, adds their own little twist to sure. it. But, yeah. Well, and that's the, you guys are teachers at heart. So I, and just, you know, knowing your hearts in general, I, I can't imagine that you dwell very long on, that's mine, that's mine, no. <laughs> so I, no. I, you know, speaking about looking at art and having that, I loved how you shared about that, that everything is little bits and pieces of everything we've seen. Right. So I did a session once in a home and I love John Singer Sargent. I'd say very much uh, like my aesthetic. So I did a portrait in a home and I used natural light and they had very rich furniture, carved Italian woods. And I think there was a, a baby grand piano and thick draperies. And I did a portrait of the sun and they dressed a portrait of the sun in a suit and he had his hand on the piano and there was a certain pose and he was looking an angle and the light was on his face a certain way and then the daughter was in a frilly dress and there was a, a little frenchy italian chair and i put it over to the other side and i did pictures and then later i looked at the two quintessential john singer sergeant portraits the the girl in the black dress with the mm -hmm. strap Right. And mm -hmm. if you put those side by side, Tim, you'd be like, yeah, that's a copy, even though it's a guy. The same gold background, the same pose, the same lighting pattern, the same feeling. I wasn't thinking about it. And then there's another sergeant I love that's a, a young girl in a chair. And I realized I had that was in deep in my psyche. And I posed her the same with the same lighting. And the clients loved him, of course, and it was my art. I think if if Mr. Sargent <laughs> looked looked at it, they might go, "Wow, did she copy me?" <laughs> so, so there's nothing new under the sun. But when we yeah. give ourselves the opportunity to um, to marinate in the visual arts and music and mm -hmm. dancing and everything, our own um, style, as you would say has to emerge if we're allowing the muses. Mm -hmm. I think we could have like another two hours of conversation on all of this. So something else, and I'm really happy that we got deep into that. You mentioned that you might want to share some thought-provoking ideas about marketing and sales and success. Okay. And as we're, who knows what would be in terms of COVID when this airs or when someone listens to it a year later yeah. or so. So I'd love to talk about in general, um, although if there's, if there's anything, you know, for 2020 that you want to share, I'd love to hear all that. So what you got on that? <laughs> well, I think for me, uh, um, application can vary, but the principles and the core uh, values of how we market and how we do our sales is what's is is first and foremost because if you're not rooted in that then the application becomes knee-jerk reactions to get business through the door and 
I think, you know, the first thing I would share with people when it comes to marketing and the sales is that you, you market and you result and you sell the result of your art, not the art itself. I think too many photographers become mechanics when they're selling their photography. They're talking about textures and mount boards, canvas quality and, and how the frames are made and all that is good, but it's not ultimately what people want to buy, I think at the highest level, they want to buy the result of the art. Think about when you're talking to someone or when you're marketing, what is the result of your art? How does it, what purpose does it serve? And how does it make the life of the people who are going to invest in you? How does it make their life better? What does it do for them? And when you begin then to find the way to message in that fashion, a lot of that's through stories, it's through purpose. You know, we ask people to write a letter to their children and put it on the back of the portrait when, they, when we photograph your children. And then we tell them, don't tell the kids it's there, but decide when you're going to gift that to that child um, at a later date. And usually the ideal time is on a wedding day. So can you imagine your, your four-year-old little girl you photograph and you write a letter, mom and dad write a letter to that child and put it back there. And it's like this secret that's kept for 18, 20, 22 years, whatever that date is. And then you put that on their wedding table. You take it off of your wall, put it on their wedding table, and they read that. Just name one gift. I mean, just name one gift that would be as meaningful as that. Now, that that relates to the result of your art. That relates to the purpose of your art. And we got to get away from selling mechanics because when you kick people into the mechanics of our photography, then I think what happens is we get thrown in the same uh, batch with everyone. We become people that sell features and we don't and mm -hmm. function and we don't sell story and purpose. So I think we have to carry that all the way through what, what we do. And, and a lot of people, I think today, Lucy, I would also say I could go for hours, but I think, you know, just off the top of my head is that uh, our work, our work has to be investment worthy. What makes work investment worthy? Uh, the tech and the technical side of that, the technical side of an investment worthy piece uh, to me is not what you're selling. I think this is the way I like to describe it. You should be technical, excellent, technically excellent in creating your art and it should be created at the highest possible level, but that shouldn't be what you talk about, what you brag about or what your client thinks about what you do because technical excellence in photography simply makes the photograph invisible. In other words, yeah. just think about watching a TV show like on a public access and you, you hear this amazing story going on and you look at it and the camera goes out of focus and it bounces and the person walks out of the image. What do you do? You change the channel, right? Because you can't stand it. Well, that's what technical excellence uh, avoids for photographers. It allows us to, to carry the purpose because in my scenario, I was mentioning there with television, you missed the story because it was so poorly done. So if you do a superb job, then the technical excellence uh, now allows that message to be carried through your art and, your, and it's no longer a facade. And it keeps the distraction of photography technique away and allows the story, the message, the purpose to be elevated to the highest possible level. We have to think like that. We have to describe the purpose of what we do. We have to market the result and you have to learn the stories. When you learn people's stories in your design appointments and getting to know them, when you go in that sales room, this is worth its weight in gold right here. Because when you go in the sales room, 
What you don't do is say, now, Lucy, I, this image of you, I really like. Don't you think you have a wonderful expression? See, right. if you're a Southerner like we are, Bless your heart. You know, my mom would have <laughs> smacked me if I said, yeah, I look good there, right? So what do you do? I learn Lucy's story. I learn about, you know, what's important with her son or her daughter or whatever it might be. I learn the story. And then when I put that image up on the screen, I'll say, Lucy, do you remember the story you told me? How did I do telling that story? Now, all of a sudden, I've changed the dynamic. It's not about how do you look? What about the turn of your head? What about the, the smile or the frown or the passive look on your face? It becomes about the story. And I've given you a way to take ownership, to brag about that image, and to love it. And now we're going to see new heights in that sales room because we're not talking about the kind of stuff we need to be avoiding. Right. I just love that. And I, I would love to be in the room. I'd love for you to create a portrait for my family and I, and then be in that room and hear how you masterfully remind me that this is, this is telling that story. <laughs> so I just put myself well, in there. Where we are. Yes. <laughs> getting, getting my family. So what do you think makes, you said people want to buy how it makes their life better. So how do you think your work makes people's life better? What is it that you're that you're selling? Well, uh, we're we're, so, we're selling the story, the message, and the distinctive way that we execute uh, a style that celebrates what's important in their life—the the stories and the people and the personalities of their life. So, how does that make their life better? Well, because the one thing you can't get back is time gone by. So, yeah. so what, what I'll, what I'll love to share with somebody, they'll say, wow, that's kind of an expensive, uh, it's a lot of money for a photograph. And I'll say, yeah, it is a lot of money, but let me tell you this, the day you pick it up, it'll be worth every dime you spend on it. However, every year after that, it'll grow in value. It will become worth more. It's worth its least amount of money the day you pick it up because th those mm. children are going to change. Things are going to change and you think you'll remember, but you won't. And, and this is the advantage that we have as artists is the ability to take an image. And, and this is why being a print artist and providing something of substance is important to us because I can't preach this message and them looking at, looking at our photographs and, you know, on the subway with a slice of pizza on an iPhone. I mean, that, that, right. you know, I may see them that way sometimes, but, but to, to invest their money in something with longevity and purpose, it has to be in print form because there's both a perceived and a real difference in the value of something that's in print. When you walk in the room, there's no distractions. That piece has a high visual impact hanging on their wall. That experience is different and its ability to be passed down from generation to generation is different. And the value in the mind of the, of the purchaser is different even though we might have done the same amount of work to it. And yes, we have to make the print, but we've done a lot of that work. There's both that perceived and real value difference. So as the years go by, Lucy, um, our work grows and grows and grows in value. And I I'll just finish with this real quick analogy. Uh, I had somebody say, you know, well, that's a lot of money. I don't remember what the amount was, but I remember saying, you know, if you spend $5,000 today on a Walden portrait, and then you go to the furniture store and you buy a $5,000 sofa and you, they're both are beautiful. You put them in your home in 10 years, which one's on Craigslist and for how much? And, mm -hmm. and, and I'll say, you know, to this day, I've never seen a Walden portrait on Craigslist, but, but most of those sofas, $300, if, if you'll haul it out of here, you can have it. 
that's, and people can relate to that kind of story. They're like, yeah, right. I understand that. That's going to grow in value. So that's the messaging that we have to, we have to thread through our marketing, our sales room, the whole experience. And also we've been doing a little bit of research and we've posted it on Facebook and on our website as well about the children need to see themselves as part yeah. of a family unit to have more of a healthy mindset that, oh, I belong somewhere. And right. uh, there's re a lot of research that's been done on that by uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, children's, you know, that specialize in children. And, uh, you know, so that is how we make people's lives better is, is, you know, we show children as part of their family, they belong. And uh, there was even something on a Facebook post I read one time about maybe they were foster children that the adoption finally went through. And the first time they walked in and saw the family portrait that had just been done hanging on the wall that included them, they were, they were, they just stopped in their tracks. They were stunned because they, they now knew they were part of a family. They were under cover right. of that family and that they were important and that they belonged. I have a story that, that I tell um, about a, a blended family where um, his, the dad and the stepmom and the stepkids lived together and the son lived with his mother. And I don't know if he, they switched or if it was just weekends, but he always felt like he wasn't a part of it. And they shared that um, in, our, in the conference room. So on the day of uh, the session, I made sure to put him like in the middle of the group with people's hands on him, leaning into yeah. him. I made sure I did some really special things of just he and his father. And they told me that, wow. first of all, after the session, before even seeing the portraits, he felt more a part of and they saw a complete shift in him because when, when it's his weekend or his week to be at dad's, he sees himself and that he's been in this home all along. And, you know, those are those, those kind of stories. Like we don't know all the stories, but every now and then we get to hear one like that. So, well, I, huh, I could just keep on talking, but I think it's about time to um, ask you a couple questions. So one is, how do we get in touch with you? And I know you have a special offer and also something you'd like to invite people to uh, sign up for. So let's start with how, how to get in touch with you. Well, the best way to get in touch with us is through our website, timwalden.com. Uh, and there's a contact us there. Or you can simply write info at timwalden.com and, uh, and, and can touch base with us. We'd love to hear from anybody. We love photographers and hearing from them. And uh, it's also a place where uh, you can uh, check out the education that we have and what you're referring to, that we're probably, this probably is the center of the spoked wheel of our, of our teaching is our year long black and white mentorship that starts in September and goes through August of next year with a retreat in Lexington in July. And this has got limited seats to it. And every year we, it fills up. Um, and if you go to timwalden.com, there's a mentorship section that you can check on there. And it had, what we do is we have uh, online classes every month. We have a curriculum that we follow. We send the recordings to the, to the students. We give assignments. And then we have a private Facebook page where we can ask questions. They can post their assignments. And I'm talking to, we get people in there. It's not a beginner's class, but we get people in there 
studio owners for three or four or five years on up to masters and even people with their fellowship degree mm -hmm. because it's very style marketing the application of the relationship portrait fine art black and white and then we come together in july for a retreat uh and then we wrap it up in august so there's a lot there's a lot to a lot more to it than that but in a nutshell i think that is uh the mentorship that's been just red hot for us this will be the sixth year coming up great and i know you have a special offer mm -hmm um a free gift yeah it's a gift uh 100 free gift uh there's uh, at timwalden.com in our store i think you have the link we have uh, a set of six uh image what we call image studies and they're uh just six images that we feel carry the message that we want to share with people whether it be lighting or marketing or or posing different things along those lines and so it's the image the lighting diagrams some of the description of the of that photograph and then each one has a recording an audio recording where i kind of flesh out the details of that so it's a uh, they're all six pdfs six recordings that go with those pdfs i think wow. it's like 59 dollars on our site and uh, there's a code they can use uh your name l-u-c-i and uh, they can get it free wow I i'm gonna jump on that soon <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i love it so I want to remind my listeners to stay tuned for my summary of today's amazing conversation. But before I let Tim and Bev go, I want to ask if there's something else you haven't shared or something or summarize and like something in your heart that you want people to be sure to take away. Well, I'll get started. I, but I would say that if we want to be successful in today's market, we've got to be different and we have to create gaps and those gaps between ourselves and the masses that are out there. And I think too many times our knee-jerk reaction is to say, this is what everybody else is doing. I'm gonna run along with them. Look to run to a place that they can't go. Run where the mm. masses can't, do what they can't, be amazing at it, do it with absolute excellence and passion, and then don't worry about who you attract because if you try to attract everybody, you're gonna dilute yourself as an artist. So allow that um, defined uh, art and gap that you create to uh, separate you and then figure out how to take that message out and watch the people that love it they'll come they'll pay for it and uh, it's a, it's an amazing way i think in in two simple words create gaps to mm. uh, to build your business today and i love I it say that it's not a destination it's a journey mm. and you never stop if you stop, you go backwards. There's no such thing as just stopping and being okay. And we are continually learning, reading, listening to audiobooks, watching podcasts, watching videos, um, teaching each other. And I think that's what keeps us also passionate about it. Right. Uh, but also the skill level, you're, you know, you're never there. There's no there. Right. It's just a, it's a path that we're all on and we're on in different parts of the journey. And, you know, we're ahead of some, behind some, different roads of mm -hmm. some, and uh, just, I would just say, keep on going. Don't get discouraged. Just, it's always a learning process. Yeah, one of the things I love most about the adventure of being an entrepreneur, and I'm sure you love seeing this in your programs, and I love this when I'm coaching people, is seeing how it grows us to be the best versions of ourselves, mm -hmm. both by enhancing what is amazing and putting those challenging areas. Like for me, 
fear has been uh, sometimes a roadblock. But in order to keep going, we have to keep growing and maturing and handling whatever is in the way of our success if we want to keep being successful. So to me, it's the best uh, self-help <laughs> personal growth <laughs> <There is. laughs> uh, scheme there is. And, yeah. you know, it's a high wire adventure sometimes. But Absolutely. Well, oh, my gosh. I wish I could give you one of those big hugs that oh, we always have when we cool. see each other. And I suppose I'll be able to do that in Texas in January at the PPA Expo. Yeah. Yes, of course. We look forward to it. Assuming it has happening and hugs are allowed, I've got I've got two, <laughs> one for each of you waiting for you. So, thank you so much. All right. So thanks again, you guys. It's been delightful. Thank you. We appreciate everything. Bye-bye. Bye. I absolutely love that conversation with two of the most special people I've ever met in this industry or outside of this industry. And I hope someday you'll attend national or local or state conventions where you can meet them and get one of their great big hugs and feel like you're part of their family because that, that's who they are. I'm sure you could tell from this conversation. So remember to go to lucydumascoaching.com and there's a couple free gifts there. There is the um, 10 big ideas for marketing high dollar portraits and weddings, something like that. It's a little too long of a title. And I also have a seven steps for attracting ideal clients. If that's not currently on the website, you can just uh, email me and I'll send you the link for that to Lucy at lucydumas.com, Lucy with an I. So here's a little quick wrap up. We talked extensively about creating a style. There's they call the relationship style. And I really advise you to go to timweldon.com and see what they do with their beautiful black and whites that is pretty different. It's not a lifestyle and it's Yes, they do portraits of people looking at the camera, but they there's an X factor. They talked about when they started that, they priced it high and was surprised that actually it was leading to financial success and profit at a time when they'd been struggling. So adding that um, higher priced higher impact option actually grew their business. Uh, they shared about the importance of staying with a recognizable style. And then they talked about that you start with a vision. I asked how you develop your style or discover it. And he said, you start with a vision and then you do the session and then you fulfill it both during the session and what we can do now uh, with computer. And one of the ways that we start to notice what might be our own vision or style is what makes our heart beat faster. And we talked about how exposing yourself to all kinds of creative and visual and I think also music and dance and all kinds of things to develop and get inspiration. And out of that, we're a mosaic of everything we've ever seen and heard. So out of that can blossom something that's our own core, both product specialty, et cetera, et cetera. And then we talked about how their core values are how they market and sell first and foremost. So number one, they sell results, not the mechanics. People want to buy the quote unquote, how it makes their life better product not what paper or size or camera we use. 
Another is that work needs to be investment worthy. So it is very important to be technically excellent. It makes what it is you're trying to say more clear. He said the message is carried through the art. Talked a lot about marketing through stories. And uh, for them, they listen to stories during the consultation and at the session so that in the sales room, then he asks, how did we do telling your story and connect the dots? And that, that makes it more meaningful. And then Tim's last word was to create a gap, to provide something that people can't get elsewhere or do themselves. And Bev shared that this whole thing is not a destination, it's a journey. And as I think they started or got into business with their dad about the same time as I started mine. And so we've watched each other through our journeys and and they just continue. So sending out a big hug, I love you all. Even if I haven't met you, I truly do. I'm sending out my heart. So stay tuned and bye for now. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.